You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. I'm going to be carrying on our series on the parables of Jesus, kingdom stories. And uh, this morning, I'm going to be looking at two parables, which are actually quite similar. One's about a banquet, and one's about a wedding feast. Uh, But before I do that, I just want to pray for us. I want to pray for God's Holy Spirit to come down and be with us because otherwise it's just empty words. And, you know, the last thing you need for the next half hour is for someone talking to you with empty words. You want the Spirit of God to be here. And so I'm just going to pray now. Father, I thank you so much for all we've heard this morning about your son coming into Jerusalem, having a plan to save us so that we are no longer slaves We are free people, and we choose to worship the living God. And we are so grateful to his son, Jesus Christ, for dying for us. And we are so excited to be filled with the Holy Spirit to strengthen and encourage us on this amazing journey we're on together. Amen. Okay, so um, the first parable uh, can be found in the book of Luke, and What Jesus is doing at this point is he uh, has been having a meal with some Pharisees. And the Pharisees were very high-ranking Jewish officials. They uh, were very highly thought of by the Jews. And as a result, they thought very highly of themselves. In fact, they thought more highly of themselves than they should have done. And Jesus once pointed out a Pharisee who was standing in the temple, and in very publicly he was saying, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like these other sinners. I thank you that I give money. And look, I'm putting this in here. What a good person I am. And Jesus said, Don't be like that. Uh, And so he's having a meal with these Pharisees, and uh, they are showing all the uh, dignitary to the table. And they are saying to people, move aside because we want this person to sit here. And Jesus said to them, uh, very public, he said, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be inviting the poor and the lost to sit there. And he told them a story about a banquet. And so I'm going to turn to uh, Luke's Gospel Chapter 14, verse 15. And so it says this. When one of those at the table with him heard him, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And basically what he was doing was he was just trying to say something that would impress Jesus. And Jesus realized immediately he hadn't got a clue what he was saying. So he told them a parable. He said this, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, Come, everything is now ready. But they all uh, alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought... Five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, I've just got married. I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. 
Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master said to the servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, I'm uh, assuming here that every one of us at some point has been to a wedding. Would that be... Have I gauged that right? Everyone been to a wedding? Not your own, obviously. But that's taken as read. Uh, but you've been to a wedding. And I would imagine most of the time you got an invitation. You didn't just gate crash. You were invited to the wedding. And uh, when Anne and I got married, um, uh, we had a reception uh, at our house. And um, you know, there's a lot going on, so I wasn't really paying a lot of attention. It was all a bit of a blur. But I noticed this guy who parked himself next to the barrel of Adnam's beer. And he did not move for the whole afternoon, and he drank his body weight in beer. And various people said to me, who's that guy? And I said, I've no idea. He just turned up uninvited. Um, so well, he just did. Um, that was what happened. So um, I guess we, by and large, would... Um, have been invited, and when we get wedding invitations, sometimes, hopefully most of the time, we get excited, and we put the wedding invitation, maybe we tend to put invitations uh, on the fridge with a fridge magnet. We've got one fridge magnet that's got all the flyers we get for the two-for-one pizza offers, the opening of the Indian restaurant, the Chinese restaurant. That's a great big pile of flyers under a fridge magnet, and next to it, there is a much smaller pile of invitations to things. We treat them with a great deal of excitement. So uh, imagine my surprise today when I was doing some last-minute tweaks to my sermon, and I thought, I wonder if I go on to Google, and I Google best excuses to miss a wedding. And I came across this fascinating little exchange between some people who I guess they all knew each other. And the first one is a guy called Mike. He says, um, so um, I got invited to a wedding. I don't really want to go at all. What's the best and least insulting, though not completely dishonest, excuse? I love that. Not completely dishonest excuse. Uh, I've already considered a last-minute medical emergency. And uh, uh, a lady called Lisa, it would be uh, a lady, she says... Did you RSVP? Because if you did, they're already paying for you. And he went, uh, yeah, I did. And the guy called Danny said, um, tell them that you have an appointment with a full body wash and cut with the dog groomer. And uh, Mike says, uh, unfortunately, I made the mistake of saying I'd go a while back. But really, I'd rather spend the day doing something interesting. <laughs> and uh, a guy called Adrian said, Explosive diarrhea. No one ever questions that. <laughs> and uh, Sarah said, tell them your grandma died or somebody in your family. If you want to give them some warning that you can't make it uh, without being it too sudden, say it's someone in another country who's really ill and you've got to go there. Uh, and so nothing has changed throughout history. The excuses that people use today uh, are the excuses that were used at the time of Jesus. 
Um, I've bought a field. I've bought some oxen. I'm getting married. I can't come. And uh, the other thing that uh, happens uh, when you get a wedding invitation, and it probably happens uh, at different times, uh, is what do I wear? I'm imagining uh, that for men, it's a fairly spontaneous thing. What am I going to wear? For women, maybe not quite so spontaneous. I've gone to weddings and we're leaving the house and Anne says to me, come on, come on, you've got to get changed. And I'm going, I have changed. What's the matter? And she'll say things like, "Mm, you're not going to wear that tie with that shirt, are you? And I'm saying, but I am wearing that tie with that shirt. What's the matter? And at our our own wedding... um, uh, I uh, was in town, and I was actually buying a pair of shoes. I needed to buy a pair of cream-coloured shoes. Uh, I just did, okay? I just did. <laughs> and um, I'll show you the photographs if you want to, okay? But it's a need-to-know basis. I, r- I rarely bring those photographs out, that suit and those shoes. But um, I'm in a shop choosing a pair of shoes, and somebody I know, not very well, came up to me and said, uh, Hi, Len, what are you doing? I said, um, I'm buying a pair of shoes. And he goes... Uh, are you getting married today? And I went, yeah, I've got two hours. I've got loads of time. Uh, and that's, that's the way it was. But I'm thinking that when we get ready for a wedding, you know, we think about what we're going to wear and we go, to a greater or lesser extent, dressed ready for a wedding. And in Jesus' time, getting ready for a wedding was a really big deal. Okay, and uh, we're going to look at another parable uh, a little later on where uh, the king, okay, not a certain man as here, but a king, um, not only does he invite people to the wedding, but he actually gives them the wedding gear to go with it. Okay, and then, of course, with the wedding, often there is some kind of party afterwards, isn't there? I like parties. I'm sure you like parties. We were this morning being encouraged to be very sort of outgoing and very uh, show our feelings. Uh, And sometimes people do that at parties. And the thing is, God loves a good party. Jesus loves a good party. So if your idea of God is that he's some uh, really strict person who every time you do anything, he goes, tut, 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 let me tell you about some parties. Um, The first party I want to tell you about occurs in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the last book in the Bible. And uh, amongst other things, it talks about what is going to happen when Jesus returns. And there's a part in chapter 19 where it says this. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder and shouting, Alleluia, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. That's the kind of party that we're going to be at one day. Uh, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. That's us, by the way, okay? We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. We're not going out to get the last-minute pair of shoes. We're ready. No one's going to say, hmm, 
Should that tie really be going with that shirt? No, we're ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Okay? So when Jesus talks about feasts and wedding suppers, he's actually, at the time he is saying these things, he is on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. And he is speaking to the Pharisees and saying, you don't understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. The very people who are determined to kill him, he is explaining to them in language they can understand what the kingdom of heaven will be like or could be like for them. For the very people who are trying to kill him, he is explaining to them what the kingdom of heaven could be like for them if they accept the invitation. Okay? So the idea here is that God and Jesus love weddings, they love feasts, they love celebrating. And that, Revelation 19, is one example. There's wedding feasts that Jesus went to where he had a party and turned water into wine. Uh, He had a, a, a supper, a last supper with his disciples. There are many times when he had meals with his disciples and other people. In fact, this Uh, Luke 14 is actually, he's having a meal with somebody. You know, there's the breaking of bread. There's actually going back to Exodus. There's the Passover. So God and Jesus love uh, parties. They love meeting people. They love celebrating. Okay, and so when it talks in Luke 14, in summary, there was a certain man. He invited people, and then he invited them again. And then when they made excuses... He became angry and he said, okay, you were invited. I'm now going to get others. And the reason he did that is because Jesus said, so that my house will be full. Not maybe full, could be full. My house will be full. Okay? And the sad thing is, not one of those who were invited ever got to taste the food that was at the banquet. Okay? And in this parable, it just shows that Jesus, that God, turns values on their heads. People are invited. They decide not to come. So the man, the certain man, says, okay, go out, get all those losers. Get all those losers. Bring them in. Because my house will be full. The losers take the place of those who were invited. And uh, I don't know about you, but um, sometimes we can feel like we're losers. You know, uh, we were singing a song about being fearful, but we don't have to be fearful. We can feel like we're losers, but we're not really losers. Those that had no right to be there ended up coming and putting on these robes. Because God's grace deals with us on the basis of what we don't deserve. None of those people in sleeping under the bushes deserved to be there because they hadn't been invited. They hadn't got 
the invitation. It's done by grace. It's done by what Jesus was about to do when he got to Jerusalem and was sacrificed. And there's this little book by a guy called C.J. Mahaney called The Cross-Centered Life. Outstanding little book. He says this, and this is talking about God's grace for losers. Okay? Ask me how I'm doing on any given day, and you might be surprised by my response. I don't give the typical, I'm great, I'm fine, thanks. Instead, I say, better than I deserve. It catches people off guard. Many times, non-Christians have argued with me, convinced that I suffer from low self-esteem. He says, no, I understand who I am and where I deserve to be. I deserve God's wrath. Honestly, I deserve to be in hell. But instead, I'm God's child. I'm forgiven and loved by him. I'm going to heaven. And what he's saying, he hasn't said it in here, but he got an invitation, he accepted it, he came to the feast. Okay, I've added that. Um, So, I'm doing much better than I deserve. That perspective fills me with joy, even on days when things aren't going as I planned. We all face disappointment and difficult circumstances. Some of us experience deep pain and loss. But regardless of the situation, understanding the gospel lets us marvel at God's love. We're all doing better than we deserve. Okay? And even this morning, um, Mary came up to me and said, I've been healed. I had got the most excruciating problems with my head. Someone prayed for me. It's completely gone. Okay? We're all doing better than we deserve. And uh, I just want to move on now to Matthew 22 and talk about the wedding feast. So we're looking at a banquet. Now we're looking at a wedding feast. And this parable seems very similar to the one that we've just looked at, which isn't surprising because Jesus told parables many, many, many times. Uh, When I'm teaching, um, I'll sometimes tell a story and depending on how the class has gone, I will change it. I might have a particular emphasis on something because there's, you know, someone in the class or the general class, they don't seem to get something. So I'm telling the same story, but I'm putting a little bit more of an emphasis on it. And so that what is happening here in the parable about the wedding feast. It's effectively the, the same story. It's not a certain man. It, this time it's a king. And this time, at the end... Uh, He doesn't just say, um, none of those who refuse will come to the feast. It's a little bit stronger than that. So um, let's have a quick look at that if we can. Jesus spoke to them, and he's probably talking about the Pharisees again. So he didn't just say, look, I've explained it once. Get on with your life. He explained it. He spoke to them again in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who'd been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who've been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been slaughtered and everything's ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business, 
The rest seized the servants, ill-treated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to the servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited don't deserve to come. Go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many invited, but few are chosen. So essentially, we've got the same parable about invitations to a feast, but we've got a slightly tougher ending. Okay, He's told them it once, He's telling them it again. Okay, so essentially, it's the same uh, scenario. But what happens here is that he says, go and get the good and the bad. Bring them all in, and I've got the wedding garments. And so, you know, sometimes if you've got a last-minute invitation, like a really last-minute invitation, and you genuinely haven't got anything to wear, you might think, well, I'm not coming because I've got nothing to wear. This king has thought of that. He's got the wedding garments. And it's not like you're going to turn up and he goes, there's some clothes over there, and you're thinking, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be seen dead in those. Because my wife sometimes says, you know, if I've got to go out with you wearing that stuff, you know, I wouldn't be seen. So, so, but what I'm saying is the clothes are just what they fit you. They're nice colours. You know, they've got everything you could possibly want, okay? So there's no reason not to put them on other than the fact that you don't want to be there. That would be the only reason, okay? And so he's talking here about an invitation again. And it's not just they've been invited, but they were invited again, okay? So it's not like um, you forgot it. It's still in the fridge, isn't it? It's tough. It's no, 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 I'm inviting you again. Okay? But they refused. And so the people that did come along, again, they were the undeserving, they were the untouchables, they were the unpardonable, they were the unacceptable, and they were the unworthy. Okay? Basically, that's you and me. That's the subtext. That's you and me. Okay? And the word un simply means not. You can substitute the word not for the word un. They were not worthy. They were not acceptable. They were not pardonable. That's us. And what the king does, he says, go and get them. Get them all. Get the good. Get them bad. Bring them in. Because I've got the wedding garments. And by God's grace, losers become winners. Yeah? By God's grace, the dead become alive. By God's grace, the last become the first. That's God's topsy-turvy way of dealing with humanity. And I want to ask you this in all seriousness. What have you done 
with your invitation. Where is it? Because this isn't an invitation for a two-for-one pizza offer. Okay? It shouldn't be in that fridge magnet. It should be on its own. It shouldn't even be on the fridge gathering dust. It should be central. You should be waiting for the day when you can get dressed up and turn up. So what have you done? See, what it says in Matthew 22 is that the invited guests paid no attention to. Verse 5. They paid no attention to the invitation. The Greek word is amesalantes. Okay? And it means to disregard, to ignore, to care nothing for, and to make light of. Okay? Those are all things that we are entirely capable of doing with an invitation from God to the wedding supper of his son that's talked of in Revelation 19. Okay? And if we are seriously kidding ourselves that just like the guy who sneaked in without the wedding clothes on, that God's going to go, oh, come on, come on, yeah, I'm feeling in a good mood. In you come, because we've done something good. That's not how it works. Okay, salvation isn't by our works. The heavenly banquet is not an option. Okay, outside of the party, there is no other life. There is nothing. And so, if you think you can sneak in, in your jeans and your top, even if it's a Armani top, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. And when the king comes over you and says, friend, where are your wedding garments? You'll have nothing to say. You won't be able to say, I didn't come back from the cleaners in time. I went to put them on and I put on a bit of weight. You'll have nothing to say. And that isn't what God wants. Okay, that is not what he wants. He invites, he re-invites, he provides the wedding garments and the rest is down to you. And so if you don't look after your invitation, there will be consequences. And they're not my consequences, they're the consequences that Jesus refers to. Take him outside, throw him outside. He's not coming in. And the amazing thing is that when you accept the invitation, something happens. Um, We've been singing about what Jesus has done on the cross this morning. Uh, And in Romans, it says this. Jesus Christ, who died, uh, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is interceding for us, okay? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
Okay? That's the consequence of accepting the invitation, putting on the wedding garments, and coming to the feast. Even though you're losers, in God's eyes, you are more than conquerors. So I want to ask you, what have you done with your invitation? When my wife Anne became a Christian, she felt God say to her very clearly, effectively, I'm not going to do this again. This is your last chance. Now, I'm not saying that is a theological principle, but for me, when I was asked by God, I very clearly remember it, I remember thinking, literally, if I go out of this room and get hit by a bus, and I say to God, I didn't, I mean, give me a little bit of time. I mean, you know, you say this, and then, you know, give me a little bit of time. That was how I decided I was going to process that. You know, I wasn't going to wait. Okay, so I'm just asking you, if you feel that God is speaking to you this morning, if you feel that what has been shared this morning in what we've said, the verses have been read, uh, what God has spoken to us through the Bible, if you feel that's for you, don't wait. Don't wait. You may be invited again, but don't wait. Why would you? Why would you want to wait if there is a feast for you? If what I've said has resonated with you, um, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front or put your hand up, but I am going to ask you to make a commitment before God to take that wedding invitation and use it. Father God, we thank you for your unfailing love towards us. Uh, You are not an angry God. You are angry with certain things, but you love us so much that you sent your son to die for us. And Father, we are so grateful that we have got the invitation. You came, your servants came, and they picked us up from the highways and the byways, from under the bushes, from the shop doorways, and invited us to this amazing feast. And your word says you have clothed us in garments of salvation. Lord, we are no longer losers We are winners. We are reigning and ruling with Christ who has sat down at the right hand of the Father. And Lord, we don't take that lightly. We don't want to forget about that. We want it to be central to all we do. And Father, I just want to pray for anyone here who maybe for the first time has thought, I need to take this invitation. And I want to pray that there will be no doubts that it applies to someone else or somewhere else, that right here, right now, they will say, no, I'm in. I'm in. There is no other way. I'm in. I'm not going to be the guy that God comes up to and says, friend, where are you wedding clothes? Father, I just pray, Lord God, now you will do business with your church right now. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.